Topic of our Dhamma talk this evening is Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana, namely mindful contemplation of Fertner Dhamma. And um, this Satna talk then will bring to a conclusion the talks that are connected directly with the instructions given in the Satipatthana Sutta, at least the the instructions on uh, a mindful contemplation of the body, namely Gaya Nupasana Satipatthana. Then we have a mindful, mindful contemplation of feelings, Vedna Nupasana Satipatthana. And then the mindful contemplation of uh, the mind, Chitta Nupasana Satipatthana. And with, with these three, we have dealt with already. And so Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana remains to be uh, elaborated on and or explained. And Satna then what Satna remains is also to say a few words about Satna, the ending of Satna, the Satipatthana Sutta, and Satna this will remain for uh, later on. Now, Satipatthana, as we have seen, means, and this is one of its certain meanings, establishment of mindfulness, and anupasna means contemplation, and the term dhamma may assume quite a number of different meanings according to the context in which it appears. And so the term Dhamma may mean a group of Fatna teachings, or it may also mean facts in general or phenomena, patterns of events, conditions, principles, or categories of Fatna, the Dhamma. And certainly the term Dhamma in its plural does not certainly mean mental objects. Now, several now, authors have you know, suggested, you know, such as certain you know, venerable you know, Dr. Silananda, as well you know, as certain you know, venerable Analayo, you know, to leave the term Dhamma untranslated because there's no one single you know, term in the English language that really covers uh, its uh, entire range of uh, meanings. Now, the instructions on Dhamma Nupasna Satipatthana you know, then speak of Fatna five um, aspects to be contemplated, and certainly these are you know, the five hindrances, Pancha Nivarani in the Pali scriptural language, and then you know, the five aggregates, and certainly so you know, these cover you know, the um, uh, aggregate of materi material form, you know, the aggregate of feelings, of sense perceptions, of many formations, and certain consciousness. Then we have the six sense spheres, 
consisting of well the eye door and the respective visible objects, the ear door and the corresponding audible objects, sounds, etc. And so, now then we have uh, now the seven enlightenment factors, also sometimes referred to as uh, now awakening factors in the Pali now scriptural language given as Satna Satta Sambhojanga. And Satna then as Satna the fifth one, the four noble now truths. Now, when it comes to the you know, these five groups you know, to be uh, contemplated, some cover you know, specific mental or deal with specific mental you know, qualities and others you know, deal with specific categories. So in the case of the five hindrances, we are basically talking about five uh, mental states, or as we will see today, you know, actually seven mental states. And then um, in the case of the seven awakening factors, this certainly covers a group of seven different mental states. And then in the case of the five aggregates, we have here well, a set of very specific categories. And the same thing goes for the six sense spheres, and the same thing also goes for the four noble truths. So, for instance, the uh, instructions on you know, the hindrances you know, will be you know, given uh, in a moment, and certainly you know, these are um, in the text, or these are mentioned first, and I will give them uh, later on. And certainly you know, the instructions for you know, the five aggregates are you know, just for you to know one knows the nature of each of Fatna, the five groups or aggregates, how they arise and how they are you know, dissolved. Then in the case of Fatna, the you know, six sense spheres, you know, the instructions are you know, one knows the 12 bases of all mental activities and Fatna, then you know, the eye and the visible object, the ear and the audible object, and Fatna, then you know, the nose and the olfactory you know, object and certainly then you know, the tongue and the gustatory you know, object, then you know, the body and certainly the tactile objects, and then mind and mind object. And then in and one you know, knows how the fetters based on them, you know, one knows how they arise, how they are overcome, and how in future they do no more you know, arise. And then in the case of the seven enlightenment certain factors, one knows whether an enlightenment factor is present uh, in one or not. One knows how it arises and how it comes to full development. And certainly in the case of the Four Noble Truths, one knows them according to their reality.
Now, when we take a, a closer look at uh, these instructions on the mindful contemplation of Dhammas, then we can observe that these have been arranged from first the hindrances being mentioned and these usually well obstruct a further development in one's practice and certain so having contemplated on the hindrances and then overcome them then the way has been paved with this for the contemplation of the other items mentioned such as the five aggregates the sense spheres the awakening factors and finally the four noble truths so by over again the causal connection here is by um, overcoming you know, the hindrances, you know, a sufficient degree of mental stability uh, arises in you know, the mind. And certainly with you know, this, then one you know, can perform an analysis you know, of you know, the subjective personality in terms of the you know, five aggregates. And based on you know, this, you know, then one can perform an analysis of you know, the relation between the subjective personality and you know, the outer you know, world. And based on you know, these certain you know, two, you know, the earlier you know, two, you know, then you know, one you know, can um, you know, develop. You know, one can you know, do an analysis of the development of the enlightenment factors, and certainly then you know, when the enlightenment factors have you know, arisen and certainly come you know, to you know, perfection, then uh, the four noble truths are likely to. Arise and certainly with this, or yeah, the four noble truths will be under fully understood. Now, Venerable Analayo in his book Satipatthana points out that the uh, items mentioned here under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana are arranged according you know, to the temporal progression towards realization. And this is certainly important, uh, namely especially you know, for us as certain you know, meditators. So you know, the realization of you know, the four you know, noble truths does not happen all at certain you know, once. Mm, yeah, but rather is you know, the result of uh, having you know, you know, gone through certain you know, phases in you know, one's certain you know, meditation. And so um, you know, the hindrances are you know, part of you know, this and certainly you know, then um, gradually also one you know, needs to you know, learn about or one will you know, learn about you know, the you know, five aggregates and so on.
and certainly it is uh, Andrew Olensky, you know, the director of uh, you know, the Barry Center of Buddhist uh, Studies, just uh, next doors, uh, who has uh, pointed out uh, in a, a paper about uh, the hindrances that um, the or the contemplation of Dhammas, to be more precise, that um, the instructions cover as many as 108 items. So actually, these certain instructions are pretty comprehensive. Now, let us take a closer look at the contemplation of the five Fatna hindrances as being one part of the contemplation of Fatna Dhammas. And we will deal with the hindrances in greater detail, especially with the first one, Saint's desire just to support many of you in the meditation practice. Now, the instructions in the Satipatthana Sutta are given as follows, namely, if sensual desire is present in the meditator, one knows there is certain sensual desire in me. If sensual desire is not present in the retreat, one knows there is no sensual desire in me. And one knows how unarisen an essential desire can arise, how arisen sensual desire can be removed, and how a future rising of the removed sensual desire can be prevented. Now, these certain instruction, instructions consist of five different aspects. Namely, first to know the presence of the hindrance of sensual desire. And then what is being said about sensual desire then can also be applied to the other hindrances of aversion, of sloth and torpor, of restlessness and worry, and doubt. Now, um, the second thing to observe or to check whether to know the absence of a particular hindrance. So with this we have two instructions already. Then the next instruction is that one knows how unarisen essential desire can arise. So, in other words, one knows the conditions that lead to the arising of un, so far unarisen essential desire. Now, um, the fourth instruction is certainly that one knows the conditions that lead to the removal of essential desire and by extension also the other hindrances. And there's quite a number of factors that could be mentioned. Now, 
the fifth and certainly at last specific instruction in the case of certainly sense desire is certainly that once the sense desire has certainly been removed, one knows the conditions that prevent future arising. So this may sound certainly somewhat paradoxical, but it is certainly not. To have removed the essential desire once doesn't mean that it has been uh, removed from you know, the stream of consciousness once and forever. And so uh, this takes certainly much more, and certainly it actually you know, takes certainly the attainment of you know, the path of uh, non return, anagami uh, maga. Now, when we go through net life, we may come on occasion across quite a number of obstacles, be it in terms of our work, be it in terms of traveling from one place to another, be it in terms of maybe a relationship with another person, and so on. Now, the hindrances are so-called because they hinder appropriate functioning of the mind. And these five hindrances occur, obviously, in the Satipatthana meditation practice, or we could say Vipassana meditation practice, but certainly they also come up in the context of Fatna Samatha Bhavana, namely mental development through the practice of Fatna Calm. Now, even though the hindrances are you know, being you know, given normally as certain or classically as the five hindrances, now yet you know, when we take a closer look at certain of them, then we find that certain they actually consist of more than just certain five mental factors. So involved are you know, of course, saints' desire, which boils down you know, to you know, the mental factor of greed at loba, and suddenly then we have you know, the mental factor of biatma of dosa, which then corresponds to biapada nibarana, and then in the case of the third hindrance of sloth and torpor, this certainly. Uh, is actually um, or consists of two uh, mental factors, sloth being one and torpor being the other, tina and meta in the Pani scriptural language. And certainly then the fourth hindrance is certainly given as certain udicha and kukucha in the Pani scriptural language and uh, um, so restlessness and worry or 
remorse and certainly this certainitude then actually consists of two different mental factors and Wichikicha Nibbarana so the hindrance of skeptical don't then corresponds to the mental factor of Wichikicha which is just the same namely skeptical don't so this then makes a list of seven mental factors and so then in some passages there is mention or a reference to the hindrances is certainly being made and so we then find certainly the unwholesome root of ignorance which included as a hindrance. Now, according to a passage from the middle-length discourses, from the connected discourses, and actually two passages from the connected discourses, and certainly then also from the Anguttara Nikaya, it is stated that under the influence of the hindrances, one is unable to understand one's own good and unable to understand the good of others and also to understand the good of both and also to understand or to gain concentration or insight. So the occurrence of the hindrances is clearly or, or clearly marks a period of difficulties arising in the meditation practice and we need to deal with them. Now, as a non-meditator, when coming across these hindrances in ordinary worldly life, we may not have the mental strength to actually withstand them. And certainly, so when these certain hindrances occur in our meditation practice, then it is in the end not certainly that bad because we can learn a lot from them. We can learn, first of all, what the hindrances are all about, their nature, and we can also learn how to overcome them in an efficient manner. And so with this, then, our ability to withstand the hindrances in or during intensive meditation practice as well as outside of a retreat then will be to our benefit. Now, 
in the presence of the, the five hindrances, it goes without saying that realization of the Dhamma is not possible. It becomes possible only when one has overcome the hindrances, at least on a temporary basis, and certainly has moved on in one's certain meditation practice. Now, when we take a closer look at the phases during which you know, the hindrances you know, classically tend to you know, arise, you know, then we can say you know, that they occur you know, for, you know, for most you know, meditators you know, during the first you know, insight you know, knowledge, then also during the third, and then you know, once again you know, during the tenth insight you know, knowledge. And you know, then some of the hindrances individually might come up here and there. So, in the course of an intensive, longer intensive retreat, one has ample opportunities to get to know these hindrances and also to overcome them. And as a result of this, as a result of overcoming the hindrances, one's mind then becomes rather strong, rather stable, resilient, and certainly even unshaken. Now, in quite a number of footnote passages, the nature of the hindrances is certainly being referred to as defilements of the mind which weaken wisdom. The Pani for this is Panyaya Dubali Karane. So they make wisdom weaker. And by wisdom here is meant, of course, certainly the intuitive wisdom. Now, in the text, we find many different references to the hindrances and also describing what the hindrances actually do. And so, in some places, it says that the hindrances are a dhamma which prevents the jhana, so states of absorption, to arise. Or the hindrances also prevent or block the arising of wholesome consciousness. And the hindrances are further said to hinder or to even cover up. And then it is also said that the hindrances block the eye of wisdom. They further block the 
uh, arising of Fatna, the happiness of Fatna Nibbana. And even more, the hindrances are said to block the well, gaining liberation from the cycle of birth and certain death. So their impact is certain rather significant, and certain as such, it's certainly important to be well familiar with them. Now, the first two instructions were to know the presence of the hindrances and also to know the absence of the hindrances. And so to know the presence and the absence of the hindrances is so it seems like a very simple thing to know. However, in actuality, especially if one is brand new to the meditation practice, one might easily get overwhelmed by them. And so one might get totally entangled in them and not even realizing that these are the hindrances. And thus, simply recognizing that um, such and such a hindrance has arisen in one's in a stream of Fatna consciousness then already is uh, a liberating force. And so you know, once that you have Fatna recognized that well, when sensuous thoughts are predominant, that this actually means the hindrance of sensual desire is at a word, will help you to let go of this hindrance, or will help to understand its nature, and then to let go of it. Now, in the case of the hindrance of anger or ill will, simply to recognize that anger has arisen is very helpful. And it may then contribute to a better understanding of anger and also contribute to an abandoning of it. Now, sometimes what certainly happens is you know, that certain anger arises owing to you know, certain you know, circumstances. Maybe one remembers you know, some uh, rather unpleasant event from you know, the past, and certainly so you know, then the anger comes up. And certainly so you know, then the anger is present. One you know, 
uh, observes it when it comes to you know, know it. And certainly then you know, something interesting might certainly happen, namely that you know, one gets upset you know, for um, one gets upset, one judges you know, oneself for you know, allowing anger to arise in the mind. So in this case, mm, the, uh, we have uh, the anger that continues, however, you know, with two different objects. So the first uh, object or cause for the arising of anger was certainly some you know, very unpleasant memory. And then you know, we're mindful of you know, this and suddenly then you know, that first anger disappears and suddenly then you know, some new anger arises in the form of you know, self-judgment or you know, maybe uh, irritation or aversion. And so all sorts of you know, patterns you know, may you know, occur with regard you know, to you know, the you know, different certain you know, hindrances, and it is good you know, to you know, see through you know, these certain you know, patterns. Now. If a hindrance has arisen and one doesn't even detect it, one is not aware of its sudden presence, then one is likely going to be overwhelmed by this hindrance even more, and accordingly, well, suffering will follow. Now, sorry. <coughs> To you know, be aware of you know, the absence of the hindrances is important, or is also important. Namely, when you notice that such and such a hindrance is no longer arising in the stream of consciousness, then this might have certain consequences, namely, of what? Faith. Of faith. Faith might arise. Yes. And what else? An easing of the mind. Yes. What else? Well, Beauty, joy, and rapture. To be is correct. To be more precise, gladness might arise. Pamoja, in the Pali scriptural language, and pamoja is a weak form of fatna joy and fatna rapture. Dubla beauty in the Pali scriptural language. Now, the very fact that uh, a hindrance that earlier on has given you much trouble no longer arises, indeed uh, leads to uh, the arising of certain gladness. And certainly so, you know, the fact that the hindrance is no longer there doesn't mean that you don't have to be mindful anymore. 
and so there is, as we will see, a certain sequence that is likely to arise in the case of the absence of one or the other hindrance. So an absence of a hindrance may lead to gladness. This, in turn, may lead to the arising of stronger joy and rapture, piti. And then, when this piti, which at first tends to be somewhat coarser, and then gradually becomes more refined, it will lead on to a stilling of the body. And then, with the stilling of the body, there comes also a stilling of the mind. And so, based on this, then happiness, sukha, can arise. And based on happiness, then concentration becomes possible. Because in a happy mind, it is easy for the mind to be, to be collected. And so, the uh, abandoning or uh, the uh, disappearing of a hindrance uh, then uh, may lead to uh, a very uh, specific series of events, and it is worth uh, paying attention to this. So, in this sense, you know, to be mindful of the presence of a hindrance and to be mindful of the absence of the hindrance uh, has much meaning. Now, in the case of uh, the hindrance of uh, sense desire, this uh, may take on many different forms. It can manifest in many different ways. Can you think of manifestations for sense desire? What's that? Food, yes. So desire for food and satna then? Form. You mean visible form? Yes. What else? Greed. Uh, greed, yes. Lust. Lust, yes. Desire for food. Desire for food. Yeah, we've huh? for sleep. Oh, even that might occur. So there, this hindrance of sense desire may attach itself to objects um, of uh, all or at all six certain doors. So it could be you know, to seeing an enticing you know, sight and certainly then wanting to you know, hear you know, some you know, sweet you know, voice or you know, a very you know, let's say very beautiful you know, harm um, or tune and certainly then you know, in terms of you know, uh, you know, the nose, we may you know, want to you know, smell you know, the scent of a uh, rose, and certainly so on and so forth. And um, this certainly could certainly also 
manifest in terms of you know, wanting you know, to or a you know, strong desire to watch TV. So this involves uh, you know, the seeing aspect, wanting to see, and uh, then <clears throat> there you know, could also be a desire you know, for certain you know, tactile uh, impressions. <coughs> now, let us certainly choose out of these different manifestations for saints' desire, the desire for pizza. <laughs> and so, as pizza is an Italian speciality that has traveled across the world and delights many people. And Satna, so, please understand yeah, that pizza stands for anything, any <laughs> any desirable object, anything that Satna so, the mind mind Satna so, wants Satna so, to uh, stick to. Now, since Satna desire indeed has to do with the mental factor of greed, and so this covers a whole range of aspects such as selfish desire, such as longing, attachment, clinging, wanting, and certainly then liking, preferring, wishing, and craving, grasping, clinging, or clinging we have already, etc. And yes, some more. So, you know, it's quite certainly quite a list. Now, the classical, you know, fourfold certainly definition of uh, greed is its characteristic is as uh, uh, grasping an object. So, in this case, grasping pizza. And uh, um, and then its function is. You know, classically as sticking. And certainly you know, the you know, commentary or the Visuddhimaga you know, then points out or, or illustrates you know, just as meat sticks to a hot frying pan. And certainly then you know, the you know, manifestation of this certain sense desire or greed is certainly rather interesting, namely as not giving up. And so once certainly this greed has greed for pizza has arisen, the mind simply doesn't want to let go of it anymore. And do expect your thoughts of pizza to arise in your mind quite frequently. And, <laughs> and now. Also quite helpful for a general understanding is the proximate cause, namely proximate cause for the arising of sensuous desire, which is seeing enjoyment in things that lead to bondage. Now, so seeing enjoyment in things that lead certain to bondage, if the main uh, activity 
or let's say the main purpose of our human existence is to crave for pizza and to consume pizza from the age of three onwards <laughs> up to you know, the age of 83, yeah, then uh, indeed uh, you know, there will be a very strong you know, a bondage and so, you know, then you know, we're likely you know, to be you know, reborn uh, uh, in... <laughs> 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 in a realm where there's maybe no pizza at all. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> now, the next and third aspects of the instructions is if a particular hindrance is arising to know the conditions that lead to its arising. So here we have a passage from the first volume of the Majjhimanikaya, section 115, where it says, Frequently thinking or dwelling, and I will fill in uh, on a particular issue such as pizzas, produces a corresponding mental inclination and thus a tendency to get caught up in ever more thoughts and associations along the same lines. And certainly so, it may start with certain craving for for a pizza for for dinner and suddenly then one becomes active in this regard and indeed there will be pizza for dinner but it doesn't end with this and then the mind goes well what if i have pizza for lunch and suddenly then this becomes a reality and if one keeps certainly thinking along you know, the line of pizza, certainly then very soon, what will there be for breakfast? <laughs> pizza. And certainly so we have to be really careful about certainly our thinking and uh, what we allow it certainly to uh, do or not certainly to do. So if we incline our mind again and again in a certain way, well, what certainly else to expect? It will go in that certain particular uh, direction. Now, there are you know, two new factors according to um, a short Satna text from you know, the you know, first volume of the you know, Samyutta Nikaya, namely section 22, you know, that you know, then contribute to you know, the, particularly to you know, the arising of sins, Satna desire. One is the outer desirable object, which in our case, of course, is nothing other than uh, pizzas. And then uh, the second certain factor contributing you know, to the arising of senses, the hindrance of senses are, is an 
inclination towards suddenness, a sensuality embedded within one's own mind. And so, if already for five years one has been thinking on and off about certain pizzas, then let's say one has been on a long, long retreat, and one remembers pizza from from the past, but certainly there's no pizza forthcoming, then. Uh, your your mind is uh, or that's uh, craving for uh, pizzas you know, and inclination is still you know, present in the mind. So these two you know, things you know, then contribute you know, to you know, the arising of a you know, desire, you know, sensuous desire for you know, pizzas. Now. Another you know, passage you know, relevant in you know, this certain context uh, you know, stems from the second volume of the Samyutta Nikaya, namely section 1551. And there it says, essential tendency influences the way one perceives outer objects and thus leads to the full-blown arising of desire and various attempts to satisfy this desire. And I think I've once heard an explanation given by a meditator which apparently was originally given by Joseph Goldstein. So let's say when uh, you would know, walk down you know, well a big you know, street in you know, downtown you know, Boston, and suddenly you know, you're pretty you know, hungry, and suddenly as uh, uh, could be expected, certain you know, thoughts about pizzas are on you know, your mind. Then you will see mostly what in that street in Boston. You will see pizzerias or pizza parlors, or at least your mind will want to see you know, those. And so, our thinking very much colors uh, our you know, perception and of what's the perception of the outer world. And then, if we make the mistake and we give in, or every time this desire for pizza arises and we give into it, then will this lead to a lessening of the desire or to an increase of the same desire? Well, a too simple question, so I will answer it myself. It will lead to an ever stronger sense desire. So in the Samyutta Nikaya 46, Discourse 51, it says that um, 
there are beautiful objects frequently giving unwise attention to them. This is the nourishment for the arising of sensual desire that has not arisen. And the nourishment for the increase and strengthening of sensual desire that has already arisen. And then the same thing goes on the other side, namely the denourishing of sensual desire. So there are impure objects frequently giving wise attention to them. This is the denourishing of the arising of sensual desire that has not yet arisen and the denourishing of the increase and strengthening of sensual desire that has already arisen. Now, when it comes to dealing with the hindrances and overcoming the hindrances, knowing the conditions that lead to the removal of the hindrance of sense desire, then we can mention as one factor the enlightenment factors. And so they help to overcome at least some of the hindrances. And thus they pave the way for knowledge and vision. Now, in the commentary to the Satipatthana Sutta, various or, or you know, various ways of dealing you know, with uh, the uh, uh, hindrance of sense desire are you know, being given. And of course, the you know, first uh, and foremost way of dealing you know, with uh, sense desire, as uh, you know, given in the text, uh, is uh, you know, the application of uh, mindfulness. So you know, then you know, to know you know, when you know, sense desire has arisen, that it has arisen, you know, when one knows, that, or when it's not present, one knows that it's not present, etc., etc. Now, the commentary states as the first method to learn how to meditate on impure objects such as seeing an object as foul, as impure, as loathsome. And Satna also to reflect on its impermanent nature, its unsatisfactory nature, and the absence of a self. Now, apart, so that's just learning how to deal with the hindrance of sense desire, and Satna then the second way. Uh, is actually uh, doing it, namely contemplating uh, the the body's impurity. So uh, then uh, contemplating on uh, the uh, different parts of uh, the body, uh, such as its head hair, body hair, and then the teeth, and then the fingernails, and toenails, and so on. 
So this then yeah, may be used as an antidote yeah, for yeah, the hindrance of fatna sense desire. Now, very important is uh, another uh, teaching aspect, namely uh, restraint of uh, the senses. And uh, this is something uh, that was uh, mentioned at the uh, very outset of uh, the retreat uh, already. So if we uh, keep our uh, senses restrained, and uh, then uh, even though yeah, there is uh, maybe uh, a pizza parlor around uh, somewhere, yeah, when we don't see it, yeah, the mind uh, will not uh, get uh, tempted yeah, to yeah, think unnecessarily about uh, pizza. Now, in the connection with uh, sense, uh, restraint, yeah, there's an interesting mm, discourse in the Samyutta Nikaya Namely, it certainly portrays a, a, a Dhamma conversation taking place between you know, the elder Bindola Bhavaraja and, uh, and then King Udena. And certainly, so the king mm, then approaches certainly this certainly bhikkhu and or, or elder and Satna then states, well, there are these monastics, young monastics, and so they are enjoying the prime of, at the prime of their youth and having black hair, so no gray hair there. And Satna, how do these young bhikkhus manage Satna to uh, deal uh, with uh, um, uh, well enticing objects such as uh, women, and uh, then uh, the elder uh, responds by um, uh, mentioning uh, uh, teachings that the Buddha had certainly given uh, himself, namely, when coming across certain uh, women of. Uh, yeah, the age of one's age comparable to one's own, the age of one's mother, then one should consider them to be one's mother. And then when coming across certain women who would be about the age of one's sister, then one should consider these women as one's sister. And then you know, the same um, and certainly then, based on this, the king says, well, you know, based on life experience, this may work, but is not a guarantee. And certain essential desire may still arise in a young bhikkhu. So, is there any other way of fatna training? What do these young bhikkhus fatna do? And to this, then, the elder replies that there is also the contemplation on foulness. And so, upon seeing or encountering 
a woman, person of the opposite certain sex, then a bhikkhu, a young bhikkhu, would then contemplate the foulness, the impurity of the person's body. And so this satna then helps satna the young bhikkhus to maintain their virtue. And in response to you know, this answer you know, given by the elder, the king was still not certainly satisfied, and he said you know, that still um, no sense desire you know, might arise. And so, you know, then you know, the elder you know, went on you know, to uh, then uh, say you know, that the young bhikkhus would practice sense restraint. So whenever when walking around, they would simply, or when walking around, when encountering a woman, then they would simply just restrain their senses and not look around. And with this answer, the king was satisfied based on his own life experiences with his harem, saying that in the absence of sense restraint, he would get carried away. And uh, however, in the presence of sense restraint, when walking through his harem, uh, he uh, would not suddenly uh, be uh, overwhelmed by uh, sense desire. And so the king was pleased uh, with this certain uh, third uh, um, uh, answer by uh, the elder. Now, moderation in eating is certainly given as another way of controlling sense desire and certainly in particular for our case of pizza, pizza loba. Then noble friendship is also mentioned. So to spend time with a person, a wise person, who himself or herself uh, is uh, not so overwhelmed uh, by uh, this certain uh, desire for uh, greed any uh, or desire for uh, pizzas or whatever else uh, anymore. And certainly then lastly, listening to a suitable uh, discourse is uh, also uh, given as one uh, way or as another uh, way of uh, dealing uh, with uh, the hindrance of sense desire. Now, as for uh, the uh, very last uh, instruction, in the context of the hindrances in general and in the context of our hindrance of sense desire. So if this sense desire on occasion has been removed, then we know the conditions that prevent future arising. And so in the case of sense desire, it certainly will not arise any more in the stream of consciousness only if we have attained the path of non-return, anagami, maga. Now, this certainly then brings us to 
near the end of our near discourse Satna today. Let me conclude by wishing. And may all of you practice the contemplation of Fatnadamas, Dhammanupasnat, Satipatthana, whenever an occasion comes up, especially when the hindrances show up or any of the other items Satna mentioned in the text. And Satna then may this may this lead to a strengthening of of the mind, to a stabilizing of the mind. And Satna then may the seven enlightenment factors arise and may they contribute to a direct understanding of the four noble truths, ideally during this very retreat, if not during some retreat in the near future. And this is it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.